Welcome to Novant Health, Healthy Headlines. This is Cliff Mertens. Concussions get plenty of attention every football season. It's a violent sport based on collisions, and concussions are inevitable. They happen a lot at every level of football, but they can also occur in other sports, even for kids playing at recess or having fun time in the backyard. An estimated 283,000 children every year seek some sort of treatment in emergency departments for traumatic brain injury. Most of those traumatic brain injuries are concussions. For some insight into concussions, especially those in football, we talked to Novant Health's Dr. Kip Corrington. He's a former college star and NFL player. Dr. Corrington shares his personal and family history with concussions, some advice for parents of young football players and other athletes, and what to look for if your youngster suffers a concussion. Be sure to stick around to the end for an interesting connection between Dr. Corrington's career and mine. You can find stories like this and hundreds of others by searching Novant Health and Healthy Headlines. Thank you for listening. Dr. Corrington, you played football for a long time. Did you ever have a concussion? I had multiple concussions. Um, three major ones starting in high school and the last one was in 1989 and uh, it was a pretty significant one uh, where I had to have a CT scan to be evaluated to make sure there wasn't any serious damage. Um, and then on top of that, you know, when you play football um, during a particular game, you probably have 15 to 20 mini concussions every game. Can you tell when that happens to you? When you're standing there after a play or maybe a play or two later, can you tell that you're experiencing those symptoms? Oh yeah, we used to joke about it um, back in the day because you know it wasn't a serious thing then. Um, we'd call it seeing stars or being dazed and um, it was just part of it. You were expected to play through it. Do you, do you, back then it's not the same now, but you were expected to play through those moments. What? Do you have any scary stories about, or funny stories about teammates who are wobbly? You could see it in the huddle or locker room or sideline. A teammate was really struggling with something like that. Oh yeah, um, we and again, it was a different time, and so back then it was kind of a badge of honor to play through um, even a major concussion at, at, at times. Um, but um, those were the times when somebody would be taken out of the game was when they would literally uh, pass out on the field. Um, but again, it wasn't, we would be evaluated at a medical center if it was that severe, but um, when it comes to the small micro-concussions, um, you know, that was just part of the game, and it probably, it still is, actually. A, a, a violent collision can cause a concussion, but a lot of the CTE damage that we see that's in the spotlight these days from football and other sports is the accumulation of hits, practice for months, not so much what happens in a game, but talk about how that has an effect on athletes, especially football players. Repetitive one, two thousand hits per season for a high school player, helmet to helmet hits. What, what sort of damage that can do and how that, that has come more into the spotlight? Well, there's a lot we don't understand about it. And a lot of the data comes from uh, post-mortem data, unfortunately. So we don't really have a control group. But, but the thinking is, in some of the computer simulations that they've used, it's not even uh, the direct head-on blow that's the problem. It's usually the 
kind of blows that cause torsion of the brain, a twisting of the brain. And they've used a lot of uh, computer simulations to evaluate this. In fact, there's a guy out at Stanford that um, used to play, and he does a lot of research in this area. What sort of advice would you give to a parent whose child was interested in playing football in, in, in regards to concussions and maybe some concerns they might have? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was um, ecstatic when my son decided not to play. I didn't discourage him because, you know, the team sports like football, um, there's so many good lessons to be learned from them. You, um, you become so close to your fellow teammates. It's a difficult sport, and so through that you learn a lot of life lessons. I think the main thing is just to understand what you're getting into. And, and, and until the late 2000s, um, that really wasn't public knowledge. So, um, but on the flip side, you can get a concussion riding your bike. You can get a concussion playing soccer. You can get a concussion um, falling from, you know, from a ladder. And there's so many different ways that you can get concussions. It's just that with football, it's, it's, it's a surety <laughs> because it is uh, part and parcel of the game. Mm -hmm. What sort of, on, on a basic level, someone who has a, maybe a younger child just getting into the game, what should they look for? What sort of symptoms would be indicative of some sort of concussion? Uh, a major concussion would be loss of memory, um, some speech difficulty, headaches, dizziness, uh, vomiting uh, could be part of it. The micro-concussions are a little bit more difficult. Again, most people would describe it as seeing stars. Mm. And like you mentioned, it's not only football. Football gets a lot of the attention because it's a collision sport, but a sport that gets a lot of, has a lot of concussion rates is girls' soccer. Mm -hmm. Again, balls to the head and head-on-head -head collisions wearing no protection. How do you guard against concussions in other sports, in all sports overall? You really can't prevent them, but what are some preventative measures that maybe athletes can do to maybe limit their chances of this happening? Well, I think with football, uh, some of the rules changes can help. Mm -hmm. um, the helmets themselves are not designed to prevent concussion. They're designed to prevent fracture. Um, but if you try to take your head out of the tackling as much as possible, well, that'll decrease your incidence. Unfortunately, you're going to have collisions that are accidental all the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, other sports, um, I, you know, I think that in girls soccer, for example, or soccer in general, but girls I'm thinking about because I had a daughter that had to stop playing because of concussions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, headgear might be an important thing in the future. I, most of the concussions, from my understanding, in soccer don't come from heading the ball, but from heading, hitting each other's heads. Mm -hmm. And so some type of protection might be warranted. What about people who fear that if they get a, uh, excuse me, what about people who fear that if they get a concussion, they're never going to recover? They'll never be 100%. They fear their brain's been damaged. It's irreparable. It's possible to fully recover from a concussion, isn't it? It is possible to recover from a concussion. The most important issue regarding this is if you do know that you have a concussion, if you have some of these symptoms, it's important to stop playing. Um, it's important to have relative rest, both from a physical point of view and also from a cognitive point of view. We really push 
uh, for our patients, especially our young patients, uh, to rest their brains at least for three to five days. Mm -hmm. And research has shown that people can uh, heal their brains uh, and resolve the concussion quicker when this is done. Dr. Corrington, what sort of advice would you give to parents whose children want to try a sport, maybe for the first time, or a new sport, in regards to understanding the, the physical contact that may be involved in that particular sport? I think just understanding the relative risks uh, between the different sports. Um, football, obviously, has the highest risk because it's tackling is part of the game. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, even bicycle riding has a really high incidence of concussion. Um, soccer has a high incidence of concussion. Basketball actually has um, a higher inc incidence of concussion than, than people realize. Um, I, I think it's just understanding that, you know, the relative risk for each sport and then knowing the signs and symptoms and making sure that your child, if they unfortunately do have a concussion, even a mild one, that they need to have relative rest for several days to protect their brain. Do you ever get questions from patients, parents of patients who are curious about their children playing football or other contact sports? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm honest with them. I say, you know, when, when I was playing, we didn't know any better. Now that we know better, it's a difficult decision for pa parents. Um, and it's something that uh, you got to weigh the benefits of the sport versus the potential risks. Hello, this is Cliff Mertens again. When I was researching Dr. Kip Corrington's football background for this podcast, I was excited to learn that he had played in Super Bowl 24 way back in 1990. That game, I remember, San Francisco 49ers beat uh, Denver 55-10. to 10. It sounded very familiar, and I realized then I was in the Louisiana Superdome in New Orleans that day too. You know, Corrington was down on the field playing defensive back for the Broncos, chasing around Jerry Rice and worrying about Joe Montana, two Hall of Fame guys he was up against that day. I was a young reporter for the Times-Picayune newspaper covering the game. Now we're both middle-aged guys. He's moved on to the admirable field of medicine where he's improving folks' health every day. Me, I'm just still telling stories, trying to get folks to listen. If that includes you today, well, thanks again for listening.